Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. And joining me this evening to take your questions are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. David, while we wait for Wayne to join us, thank goodness you're back from New York, otherwise I'd be really um, in a pickle right now. Um, but welcome back. Uh, and not a particularly good day for the markets today. And I see you US markets are sort of clinging onto some sort of positive gains. And you know that everything is a bit um, topsy-turvy and there's, I'm sure, stronger words for it, but I can't use them on TV. When you have people like Edward Luce writing in the FT saying the world is starting to hate the Fed, <laughs> which seems to be the characteristic of the markets right now. I, I, you know, because we don't know what's happening tomorrow. So there's absolutely no incentive to go into the market because they can do anything. You know, they, they, we can't read their minds. They used to be transparent, so you can kind of plot a course. Now we have no idea. And they're absolutely adamant and determined to knock the hell out of the U.S. economy. And you say, why? You know, I can't understand why. So it, it, it's a mystery. Yes, I know, you know, we can start to talk about the excesses that have been put in the system from, you know, right from, 20, uh, from 207, 208 during the pandemic and so on. But I mean, there's an underlying strength in the U.S. that the that the um, authorities, or certainly the Fed, is determined to knock back. Mm. And people have got money there, you know. So Wayne's on now, yay! So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, people are spending, but there's this disconnect that I think is starting to frustrate people. And and from my point of view, my reading, the fact that markets are like they are now is showing. Just a, you know, call it a lack of credibility or just fear of what comes next or what can come. Hmm. I mean, uh, so, you know, we've been talking about this and ho hopefully not ad nauseum for viewers, uh, uh, Wayne. Uh, how much downside is there further? And you've had such people like Jamie Dimon saying, well, could be another 20 percent. You know, they're not fear mongering. These are smart people. Yeah, load shedding issues again, apologies. But yes, to answer the question, I think there's two points to make. First of all, nobody knows the future. No one. Everyone is essentially guessing. Hopefully it's an educated guess, but everyone is guessing. There may well be 20% downside. No one knows. My own personal guess is that we're in some sort of bottoming out phase. We're either at the bottom or minus 10 or minus 5% to go. I had a good look at the valuations of the markets. I know there's a lot of scaremongering going that the difference between the long bond rate and the dividend yield is the highest it's been. And we're in for an almighty crash that we haven't even seen anymore. Mm. I don't think so for two reasons. Number one, there's no debt bubble that's going to burst. And that's very different to other cycles. And secondly, Inflation is coming down very materially in the second half of next year. So we're not in an inflationary phase like the 1970s that stay around forever because the, Fed, the federal banks worldwide are going to kill this. Even if they kill the economy, mm. they're going to kill inflation. So, so, there's, so, that's, so that's my guess. 
The only thing is, yes. which is um, mm -hmm. the, the, polis, uh, the possibility of some weird event happening, and you've already seen it's, well, it's not weird anymore, we've got used to it. Uh, for example, in the UK, where you had bond yields spiking, uh, you know, they're over 5%, and you've had intervention by the Bank of England, and, and, and increasingly you're seeing people talking about how there could be some unexpected stresses in the financial system that may pop out and, and you don't, they come from left field, you don't see them happening, which, I, you know, I suppose <laughs> it's pointless wondering what they are if you can't see them happening if no. they are true black swan events. I mean, David, are you worried about such a thing? Or is it pointless to the worry banks, about such a thing? The banks are in great position. If you look at banks' balance sheets, there's no stress there at all. That was sorted out in 07, 08, and they've been uh, monitored all the time. You, you've got no problems with the banks. There might be certain pension funds or, or other um, leveraged buyouts or leveraged uh, positions where there are derivatives and um, that can cause stress. But up to now, there's been no contagion. So mm. there hasn't, it hasn't shown up yet, but it is a fear factor that something like a Lehman Brothers might uh, emerge. Not so. The one point that I do want to make, and Wayne has been going on for this for a long time. People have got money. <laughs> They're not stressed. You know what I mean? And, and businesses have got money. So they can actually handle where they are now in a much better position than some of the other, uh, call it recessions or slower yeah. growth periods and that. And there are a lot, there have been a lot of savers. I'm not talking about youngsters who are just coming out of varsity and have uh, yeah, they've just got gotten married Student and they've got debt. more. Yeah, yeah. But, but overall, people have got money and are spending. Look at LVMH results, all the people who went to America and bought those bags and everything. You know, there's money. Mm. So, okay. Anyway. Well, let's talk about some of the sh uh, questions and the shares on the JSE. Tongela had a very good day, having had um, a few days of declines. I mean, it's now below 300 Rand from its high of, what, 380. And the question is, um, what is happening there? Is it a good time to buy or wait until the strike is over? The irony of the strike is, of course, that it's helped push up coal prices. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry, there must be some dust in the studio. May it rain, please, in Johannesburg. Um, Wayne, what do you, yes. would you wade into Tungela at this point in time? Look, I would hold off a little bit. I think it is good news for a buying opportunity that the share price has come off. But there's, there's two factors to consider here. First of all, understand in the biggest scheme, and the longer time period of a share price, the strike means absolutely nothing. It is so small in the perpetuum of earnings evaluation for a share. So it might cause share weakness on the day or as the news breaks, but it's not a major factor per se in the determination of share prices. It, it really is short term. So... Tangela has been falling for a while. It's been falling long before the actual strike came. So the second point is, you know, maybe the share goes down to 250 or something and buy it. But remember, ultimately, you know, in 20 years' time, there'll be very little demand for coal. Eh? Right now, it's great because no one put a cent into coal and the world still needs coal for, you know, the foreseeable future. So the share price and the earnings, I think, will recover but it could possibly be a little bit too early to buy. But the next thing we should do here, and along with other resource companies, is actually buy. Mm. 
David, I mean, um, mm. how do you feel yeah, about Tongela in particular? Because it's, it's, you know, it's very hard it's to, just, yeah. to wade into a share that's done so well if you weren't participating in it. Then it comes off and you think, okay, uh, you know, there's been quite a retracement, but now everything hinges on the price of the, the coal. Yeah, and the price of coal will remain high for for a fair period of time. So I you know it it's it paid 60 rand dividend I think a couple of weeks ago. They can pay that again at a year's time. Mm. So you you if if you're looking for dividends you're at a very very high return. I would I buy it now I'm with Wayne I think that that uh, you need to get some of the excess out of the market before you buy it but watch it carefully. And if it shows starts to show weakness just remember you know, the kind of money they're making and the kind of dividend that they can pay. But uh, when it starts to sell off like this, just be careful for a bit, yeah. Um, and then on first rand, um, did it go ex-dividend today that it fell yes. to the extent it did? Okay, okay. Um, and so and, and, and I'd I make sure, I make no mistake, I checked up on this. It's f it fell by exactly what the ordinary <laughs> dividend and special dividend is. So it just went X. Okay, so X yeah. dividends. Um, but the other, the, the second part of this viewer's question is, why are banks just not performing in terms of their share prices? Also, how much more extension to the Capitec share prices they left? I, I, I assume that uh, he means how much, how much could it run, uh, or how much, yeah, uh, how, how much could it gain from this point? Um, Wayne, sticking with you, uh, yeah. are banks just not performing in terms of their share prices? They have come down quite a lot. Um, do you think, I mean, you have said actually that they are worth looking at at this point in time. I would certainly think so. I mean, the dividend's not under threat here from any of the banks. I mean, just firstly, on, on, on Capitec, I mean, we all know what a success story it has been. So the only problem with Capitec was always the price of the share. Now, it's fallen from 2,400 bucks to 1,800, so it's come off quite significantly. It still, in my view, looks expensive, but obviously far less expensive than what it was previously. And maybe if it falls to 1.7, somewhere around there, it would clearly be a buy. The other banks, I mean, they have come un under pressure, obviously, but they've performed extraordinarily well. And relative to the market, you know, they, they haven't been too bad. Eh? I mean, the whole market's off quite, quite significantly. And their performance you know, over the last year, year and a half, and that has not been bad at all. And, you know, you can take all the big banks. The earnings aren't under threat for the next year because the bad debt provisions will, will sort that out. So there's no going to be no earnings slump over the next year. And their price-earnings ratios are single-digit. I mean, this is, this is cheaper. David, I mean, do you get a sense that a lot of... Um or that foreign buyers have, have kind of left the market because you, um, partly because of, yeah. you know, what's happened to El the... Elvis has left the building, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think to some yeah. extent that has kind of been behind the fall in banking shares? Because local fund managers I, seem to regard them as, you know, good investments with solid dividend deals and decent prospects and, you know, you would have maybe expected their shares to hold up. You need the marginal buyer to keep the price going up. And we haven't got those marginal buyers. You know, the public are out. No one's really buying. Speculators are out. Simply, there's no clear path ahead. So, you know, if you look on the volumes every day on the JSC, they're very low. There's very little activity. You need, you know, positive markets induce a lot more activity than negative markets. People are not natural short sellers. 
There are only a few brave people go short for valid reason. Um, in our hearts, we're mainly bullish. So you need good markets to bring uh, volumes and to bring, you know, and, and that applies actually in a way to the banks as well. You know, they'll do well because they're very carefully run. They, they're not reckless. And, but they need activity also, you know, to get their profits going. But, but I agree, you know, they're on four and a half percent to five percent dividend yields on multiples of 10. Mm. You know, it, 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 it's a fairly safe or decent investment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was, I must say, I was looking at some of the, like the, because we, we talk a lot and, and Wayne has brought up some of the, like, old mutual and sunlight. I mean, they're ridiculously low, you know, just like, just mm. crazily low. Either you think Sunlam's going to go out of business, otherwise it's got to be a screaming buy. I don't yeah. know. So okay, I well, think a lot of the financial services businesses are, are you know, looking fairly attractive. Mm. Um, there's a question. There's a couple of questions that have come through on Process and Stockwatch. Uh, and the first was, the viewer was a bit perplexed as to the difference that he's seen in the performance of his NASPAS holding versus his Process holding. Um, and he wanted to ask... Um, which is the better one to hold going forwards? Uh, David, what do you think? Oh, this is a chicken-egg situation. I can never make sense of it at all. You know, uh, what the connection is and why one moves one way and the other moves the other way. I, I can't fathom it out. Um, to be honest, I've, one day I'm going to do an exercise to find out whether all these buybacks have, have really helped in any big way at all. They have reduced the premium, admittedly, but... Uh, you know, what does that really mean? You know, are, are we going to grow? Or if we stop buying back, is the premium, or sorry, of the, uh, the discount, uh, discount yeah. going to start expanding again? So I don't know. I, 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 it, it's an enigma to me trying to work out all these ratios. Mm. And I haven't got the spreadsheet that can give me the quick answer. <laughs> <laughs> you are supposed to be the one who has created the spreadsheet to give yeah, the rest of us the quick answer. Um, Wayne, can you help? Can you help a viewer out? Is it? Would you have a preference over Naspers or Process? Um, well, Naspers, Naspers has still got the biggest, in theory, the biggest discount to net asset value. But you know, the Process share price has come off more than the Naspers share price since the buybacks have been announced. So. I agree with David. There is effectively no difference to the underlying holdings between the two. I mean, there's a minuscule difference, but there's clearly a big difference in how the share price behaves. And same as David, I can't answer that. Mm. Just um, on the merits of um, buying either NASPAS or Process, um, because of the fact of the discount, the incredible discounted trades against uh, Tencent, which is his most valuable asset. Um, does it still compel you to buy either of them? And um, do you have any faith in Bob van Dijk's efforts to create value outside of, you know, in all the other investments that, that Naspass and Process have, have delved into? Do you have much faith that, that those valuations that they say um, uh, or that they are starting to apply to those assets are actually going to be, will come to fruition, that you'll actually see that in, in, in reflected in the share price? David? No, I, I'm, I'm not a great bull. I'm not, I know Wayne has got a lot more um, confidence than I have in the, those underlying businesses. I don't, I don't necessarily, sh you know, not share them. Simply, I haven't got the, I, I just think they're not the kind of businesses that are going to uh, change the earth's axis. You know, they, they're doing well and they'll do okay. And a lot of attention has to be built. But I think one can find a lot better 
especially at these levels in the market now, the falls that we've seen, then kind of just pin your hopes on 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 Bob van Dijk. Mm. Um, I, I'm pretty disappointed in where we are in the business at the moment. Look, a lot has to do with Tencent as well. I can't discount that either. You know, a lot of a lot of issues there that we also have to uh, absorb. So I think overall, I just okay, we've got the holdings. Uh, let's leave it at that. Wayne, I mean, if if uh, process management had to do something about the incredible amounts of money that they're paying themselves and they're paying Bob, do you think that would sweeten the market sentiment towards them at all? Or do you think that's peripheral? Because a lot of people are very, very grumpy about, about the management yeah. fee, essentially, attached to what they're doing when the asset that makes them all the money is an asset over which they ha have no control and they're yeah. not seeing any sort of value being realized in the assets that they're trying to build. In fact, it's just soaking up cash on the rest of the business. Well, Mark, I've got a couple of comments on that. No one moaned about that fee when the share price was going up. <laughs> this is true. No one moaned about that fee. Okay, so this is just, quite frankly, grumpy investors, you know. The second point is Chinese tech ain't what it used to be. It's just not what it used to be. But thirdly, I have, I have quite, I'm quite confident that they will unlock value. But it's all, the, and that's just my, I mean, no, as I said earlier on, nobody knows the future at all. But mm. it's all dependent on food delivery. That's where the serious cash is. The other businesses are break-even, almost at break-even, making money, don't need new capital. I'm very happy they could walk away from that uh, last deal in India, I think it was, because there they would have paid, yeah, paid over the top by a factor of three. But that's behind them now. They have changed, I think. They're not going to embark on any new major endeavor. They're using the money to buy back shares, and that, as David said, does unlock part of the discount because there's just fewer shares yeah. that, that they've got. But it, this thing depends on food delivery. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bull desk uh, acquisition or the, or the fact that they've walked away from it, has been, been able to walk away from it, is also sort of quite telling because everyone thought they over, were overpaying for it. So there's also question marks about their, the, the, the wisdom that they're applying to the capital that they have. Anyway. Yeah. When, uh, they, when they made that price, when they settled that price a year ago, the world was different and tech was vastly different. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm uh, moving to something that is deeply non-tech, although I'm sure um, Chris Schutter would disagree. Uh, and the question is, um, yes, <laughs> one of the few stocks that have been doing well this year has been Astral Foods. Um, has this now run its course? In other words, has food or rather chicken inflation peaked or could this counter continue moving higher? David. Well, you've got to buy chickens and that's a, that's a problem in this kind of market. Uh, with the inflationary pressures, you know, can they pass it on? I doubt whether food companies, particularly um, chicken producers, are able to actually recover the full margin or the full cost of inflation. It's a concern for me with, with most of the food businesses, um, you know, that they're not going to be able to do so. Mm. And, 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 and no one can really, re you know, you're going to have to wait for food inflation to come down, which it will do. But at the moment, um, it's, I, I think most of the food companies remain vulnerable to some heavy costs that, you know, that uh, input costs that we've seen. And remember, they do the food side and they do the chicken feed side as well. So they've got the two businesses yeah. as well. And, and you've got uh, maize prices at sort of 
record highs at the moment, or at yeah. least 12 month highs. Um, but it is interesting to see how well Astral has done. Uh, I mean, mm. in the light of, of the fears around sort of primary food producers, um, Wayne, what do you think? I know you, you don't, well, you've always steered away from it's an incredibly difficult business, but they're uh, beneficiaries of food inflation. Uh, I mean, and we, food inflation happens every three to five years. This happens to be an upcycle of, of for food inflation. And food has already peaked. I mean, the food index in dollar terms has already peaked and it's fallen to 15, 20% off the peak. So unfortunately for Astral, the next part of the cycle is probably a down cycle in okay. food prices. Hopefully, it's good for the consumer. Yeah. So I wouldn't buy now. Okay. Well, so I think maybe the viewer who hopefully has ridden the astral wave, um, maybe time to cash in a little bit at this point. Yeah, it's a heavy, heavily cyclical shares. These they're very cyclical. Um, we were talking about the banks earlier, and sorry, this question came in afterwards, so um, apologies for the slight disjointedness. But uh, can your panel give their view on Investec? Um, and 91, of course, having separated now. For me, both look at bargains and their buys. Um, there are problems in the UK, but I don't think um, that it would be a problem for, well, for Investec in particular. Uh, would you buy at these prices? Um, Wayne, you, I think you said 91 for you is just bargain basement level. So would you hold to that view? Yes, I would. I mean, I think it's a premier asset management company that has proven itself for decades that they are extremely good at the job that they do. And I mean, the shares fallen from 60 Rand to 35 Rand, getting an 8% dividend yield. The losses have been compounded by what's happening in the UK now. I think it's a, I think it's a very good buy at these prices and you are truly buying one of the, one of, one of the better asset managers around. Investec, the bank itself, I mean, it's full of promise. I mean, I've, I've been to many, many presentations by the management there, and they always say, we've just got to tweak this. We've just got to get that right. We've just got to get the margin up here and do that. So there's lots of potential, but I'd rather buy 91 than Investec. David, how about you? Do you have a similar I agree. stance? I agree. I, I think some of the asset managers are very, you know, looking very, very attractive and very cheap. Yes, you've got to wait for the swing uh, for things to turn around. This has been one of the worst markets in, I don't know, 30, 40 years uh, from an annual basis. You know, there's, um, it's just been nine months of slaughter and that includes the bond markets as well. So I think it's the worst bond market in, I don't know, 60 years. Mm. So, so just wait for things to turn around. We all come out. We can't come out of that unscathed. Um, but what's happened is that, you know, it's made the prices of these businesses uh, very cheap. I, th I think I would put Investec into the same category as, as the other businesses that we've been talking about, banks. You know, yeah. It's a well-run bank, but I think suffering from the same, uh, you know, the same malaise, from the same issues. Mm. You need activity, you know, and especially a bank like Investec, which is entrepreneurial, which is always getting involved in deals and so on. Uh, transactions. It needs those kind of fees to keep it uh, fed. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick question before I get to stock picks. Um, could Mr. Shapiro, if present, which you are, shed some light on Alphabet as I bought these shares around the $110 mark. However, I'm now currently in the red. I'm holding my position despite the downward trend. Should I still hold? Yes. 
Just a simple, simple yes. I think, you know, those markets will swing around quite a bit. Such a powerful business generating so much cash, despite the criticism about, you know, that it's leading, losing its touch in terms of advertising, there's competition. You know, those are stories which will come around all the time. Even Metaverse, or what's the name, is starting to do things now with his, uh, you know, with Metaverse. Um, Zuckerberg. Uh, Zuckerberg, yeah. So just just watch those businesses. I don't. I, they're very very powerful uh, institutions. You know? So mm. at these levels, again, just wait. Yeah, I mean the price is ninety seven dollars. It's not you know it's not a catastrophe. No. Um, so if you bought it at one hundred and ten dollars, no. um, Wayne, would you agree? And uh, look, it depends on this if whether this person is a trader or a, a long term investor. Um, if you're a long term investor, would you actually add to your position? If you had a ten year view on gold, Google. at these at, you know, at these prices for US big tech, yes, but I still think there's more downside to come here, but but relatively limited. The the big falls already happened in all of these shares, so I think US tech. If I was forced today to only make one decision and not be able to make another investment decision for the next year at this prices at these prices, I would buy US tech. I must say. Okay. Well, that sort of segues nicely into your stock pick. So, which US tech share would you buy? Well, I'll, I'll probably go, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because what screams at me is actually Netflix, by the way. I, to me, it just looks really cheap. But maybe Alphabet is the one. You know, it's, it's, it's probably more stable. There's less competition in, in, in Alphabet than, than in Netflix, because Netflix, everyone's trying to nibble at, at, at that uh, pie. Mm. So probably Alphabet, yes. Okay. David, uh, how about you? Know, you? When, you, know, when you, you can't ignore a company that, uh, that becomes a verb. You know, Google it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah. <laughs> so it just shows you their power. <laughs> you can't, yeah. I, I, I looked at LVMH's results today. And in a market that we thought was absolutely beaten up, I mean, they stupendous, you know, really stupendous results, a very, very well-run business. And I know a lot of luxury shares are benefiting from that third, those third quarter numbers and that, but uh, this just stands out above all the others. So if you haven't got LVMH, again, don't buy the bag, mm. buy the share. Yeah. Yeah, look, the share is <laughs> also going to cost you a few bob, but uh, yeah, for sure. But it lasts and it grows. <laughs> yeah. Never goes out of fashion. Yeah. Well, neither apparently do their bags. So, um, David <laughs> Wayne, we shall leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, nice to chat to you both. David Shapiro is from Sasson Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And we'll be back with Stockwatch tomorrow night, same time, same place. Have a good evening. <laughs>